Hello and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. I am your host, Al the Brewer, and I am so glad you are listening today. This podcast is for anyone that wants to learn more about craft beer and the culture that surrounds it. Whether you're brand new to the scene or a vet of craft beer, I hope you find something to take away from this podcast. So, pour yourself a beer, pull up a bar stool, and enjoy. Cheers. Hello and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. I am your host, Al the Brewer. How are you doing? Thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate you, uh, each and every one of you listening out there in podcast land. On today's episode, we are doing an interview with Mick. He's going to continue our conversation on good beer and what makes beer good. Um, Mick is just a great guy. Not only does he know a ton about beer, he is a Cicerone. He has his own side business of literally talking about beer. And it's just super easy to talk to. I mean, this this was just so much fun to hang out at his kitchen. He poured some beers, uh, did a little cheese spread. Uh, also, gracious host, Mick, if you're listening to this, thank you so much. You, you do know how to host very well. Okay, so before we get to the interview and all that good jazz, please don't forget, uh, rate and subscribe in Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast poison, whatever that may be. You can find me on all the interwebs at Al the Brewer, A-L-T-H-E-B-R-E-W-E-R, all one word. Or you can go to IKnowNothingAboutBeer.com and see all the other podcast episodes there if you want to for individual download. Um, and that is about it. Oh, you know what? I have an email as well. Al the brewer at gmail.com. Please feel free. Shoot me an email. Tell me how I'm doing. How is this little podcast going? Uh, this is my first time doing everything with all this. So, uh, yeah, I'm learning so much of this. It could be called the, I know nothing about podcasting. Uh, again, first time doing this. So, uh, I'm having fun with it though. I think it's turning. Okay. All right. That is about it. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you listening and uh, yeah, cheers. And uh, hey, Mick, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Really, Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on here and being a part of the podcast. Um, Mick, I got introduced to you through one of your classes, the Craft Beer Chats. And uh, for those of you that may not know, uh, tell us a little bit about Craft Beer Chats. So, uh, name is Mick Lux uh, to start with. Um, Craft Beer Chats kind of grew out of um, what I perceive to be the need for a little bit more informal education around the Dallas area. Um, Dallas beer world is new. It's relatively young, you know, comparatively speaking to some of the other markets around the country. And so I had a lot of people asking me questions. Um, hey, what about, what, you know, what is an IPA? What's a barley wine? What is this? What is this? Which now six, seven years into it, to most people is quite obvious. But um, six, seven years ago, people were kind of wondering what all this was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's how it started. Purely informal. Didn't want to call it, you know craft beer education or craft beer college or anything like that it's more around let's talk about beer and, and yeah. just, just 
enjoy it, enjoy this beer, enjoy this beverage we all like. And in the meantime, if we all can learn something from each other, awesome. You know, that's kind of the, the added bonus. So okay, that's where it came from. Gotcha, gotcha. And, uh, yeah, I remember I went to one of your classes. I think it was at Collective. Um, and you were talking about Saisons, which are my favorite style, mm-hmm. which is what mm-hmm. we were drinking right now. Thank you so very much for, <laughs> for the beer. Uh, the Saison Brett from um, Boulevard uh, 2014. Oh, this is just gorgeous all the way around. Ages very, very gracefully. It, it, it very much does. Oh. Just a little sip there just because, oh, that's so good. Okay, so uh, this episode, and I'm excited about this episode because this episode is um, kind of what I think is a great little beginning point. Um, and it's kind of two questions. Uh, what makes a good beer? And what makes beer good? Um, so uh, tell us a little about yourself. I know you do craft beer chats, um, but uh, let, tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got into craft beer, um, and kind of where you are at now with craft beer chats. Yeah, so um, most people will, will, or at least most people around Dallas have seen this very, very weird last name, L-U-Y-C-K-X. <laughs> it's actually pronounced Lux, very, very simple. Mm-hmm. But it gives it away. I'm 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 from Belgium, uh, born and raised in Belgium. Really, I only moved to Texas about 20 years ago. Okay. As a matter of fact, February 1998 is is when I moved to Texas mm, for February for 2015 no, for myself. So. Yeah, so you know, I came over here for work, um, and I mean, beer is ubiquitous in Belgium, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember. Um, as a oh, probably 15 or 16 year old kid and yes legal drinking age in Belgium is 16 hmm. so you can drink before you can drive a car which you need to be 18 for over there but <laughs> um, I remember going to some kind of a beer evening and there was this gentleman talking about beer and me being this young kid I started asking a bunch of questions and mm-hmm. um, he goes well I, I get it but but why don't you come to the brewery and uh, I'll, I'll show you around and teach you some more things about about beer and the name of that gentleman uh, was was none other than Pierre Celis, um, or as the Americans like to call him, Celis. So I hopped on my bicycle and uh, and, and rode to the <coughs> the Who Garden Brewery, mm-hmm. and the first thing he gave me was you know a shovel to shovel out a mash tun. So I realized then, yeah, beer brewing is is nothing mm-hmm. for me, but I mm-hmm. do want to learn more and 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 I, I do want to drink it. So long story short, um, I came to Texas in 98, and, and back then, I mean, let's be honest, Texas beer land was a wasteland, um, and so I started you know, trying to find beer, started home brewing, and, and frankly, what has happened over the last you know, six, seven years here is just mind-boggling. Um, all that being said, some guy said, hey, you know, you should do this Cicerone thing, and I went, what the heck is a Cicerone? I know a lot of people make fun of it with, uh, you know, chicharrones and all the other good stuff. But um, <laughs> I, I went, all right, let, let me sit down. I went and took the exam and I passed. And <clears throat> from there it was like, all right, I know I don't want to open up a brewery because mm-hmm. I have too much respect for all the brewers out there. And it's a lot of hard work and I don't want to do that. It, that. There is a so, lot of work in a brewery. I think the, the oh, glamour yes. of, oh, I, you get to brew <laughs> – Gets gets very quickly replaced by all the other things that need to happen when you're thinking about a brewery. Oh, I love I love to brew my mm-hmm. ten gallon batches. Uh, don't get me wrong, but upscaling that and all of a sudden instead of dealing with oh I don't know fifty pounds of grain, you're dealing with <laughs> you know 
500 or plus. Yeah. Um, it's very it's different. Insane. Story. It's insane. Yeah. So I love it. Um, and I went, okay, what do I do with this? And I, it started with this guy going, hey, I want a beer evening. Hey, I want a beer and cheese evening. And then a friend and then a friend of a friend and then a friend of a friend of a friend. And it just kept going on from there. So so really, that's that's how Craft Beer Chats got started is, gotcha. hey, people ask me, hey, you know or you seem to know something about beer. And I know a little bit than most, but I know a lot less than many. And so I went, okay, so that's that's how we ended up here gotcha. you know, 20 years later. Gotcha. Now, um, if I'm just going to do a shameless plug. I was so excited that you agreed to do the podcast because I'm like, ooh, I get to talk to someone that knows a lot about beer. Um, not that the other people that I talk to don't know a lot about beer, but we'll just say volume of education-wise, um, uh, it was something I was very excited to pick your brain about a little bit, especially with this question because – um, I think it's just a very broad, big, broad question. I think it gets asked uh, a lot, maybe not directly, but I think there's this uh, a little bit of the craft beer community. There's this overhanging question about what is a good beer because it there's so many times where I hear, oh, you know, you, the, the latest craze of the day. Uh, right now, it is it's hazy IPA, mm -hmm. everything yep. hazy, this hazy that, and I get it. And um, me having now been in the craft beer community of, of Texas now and then California and seeing different fads come and go. Um, I just kind of go, well, what's next? Um, but I think there's also that the, the, the bigger question of what makes a beer good. Um, so Mick, what makes a beer good? Well, what makes a beer good? I mean, honestly, or I should say what makes a good beer? Yeah. If you want to say what makes a good beer for me, it's about balance. Um, uh, I'm talking about Hayes Boys, you know, hey, shout out to Rusty if you're ever listening to this, you know, Hayes Boy <laughs> Excellence. Um, I'm, I'm not a big Hayes Boy per se. I mean, I can appreciate it when mm -hmm. they're well made. Um, some of them are really, really well made. Um, some breweries even locally turn out really, really good ones. Um, turning point, I mean, nobody, no, no surprise there. Yeah. Right? They, they do a really, really good job, but it's just not my style of beer per se. What I th think of as a good beer, it's it's a balance um, of all the different ingredients. I like to get some maltiness. Mm -hmm. I like to get some hoppiness. I like to get some bitterness. I like to get some yeast character. Mm -hmm. um, and so just a well-balanced beer mm -hmm. for me is what makes a beer good. It doesn't have to be a style I like. Mm -hmm. But as long as there's a balance, then to me it's a good beer. And I think the second thing to that is no flaws. I mean, there's hmm. there's obvious flaws, right, that that can be from the brewing process or whatever. Too young, too green, acetaldehyde, DMS, you know, diacetyl, you name it. Um, once it, it, it starts doing those things, I kind of go, yeah, you need to work on the and by the way, they're around, even local beers. They're, I see them every week. Okay, so if, if someone is listening to this and has, mm -hmm. it just was like, what was that alphabet soup that you just <laughs> did? Uh, those yes. are off flavors. So there are, well, there there's, are, there's a lot of off flavors, but there's mainly yes. a total of, I believe it's, my six is that off? Yeah, so there's, there's dozens of off flavors 
the most common ones are six. Mm-hmm. Um, I do quite a few of those classes, either in private or, or in public, just, just find out. But um, the six most common one, it's really three and three. Mm-hmm. Uh, three of them are due to the brewing process. Mm-hmm. Um, that goes from cooked corn cabbage, which is DMS or dimethyl sulfide, mm-hmm. to buttery, buttery cop- popcorn, flavored mm-hmm. popcorn, yep. which is diacetyl. And then green apple, green grass, green pumpkin, that kind of stuff, which is acetaldehyde. And then there's the next three, which are the three most common, which is due to just storage. Mm-hmm. Lightstruck, which is skunky flavors, um, oxidation which is cardboard and then just plain infection which is kind of this rancid acidy buttery kind of stuff but you know without without uh, hey and it's a two-hour class when we actually give you a beer spiked with these Mm -hmm. flavors so you can detect them but um those are relatively common the Mm -hmm. first three are what you can blame on a brewery yeah. Right? When, when a beer comes out and it tastes like buttered popcorn, that that's a brewery mistake. Um, yeah. And so love the local craft beer scene, love drinking local, but local does not equate good. I think for us in North Texas to keep growing as a brewing world and a brewing industry, we have to be honest with ourselves and we have to be able to say, okay, that's a good beer for whatever style it is mm-hmm. and i don't really care about styles but that's a really good beer and it's really well made even though i may personally not enjoy it mm-hmm. versus yeah that's a bad beer that beer is just badly executed and there's a huge difference around that yes uh roush beers the smoked beers <laughs> here's the deal i think i had I my can grab you one out of the fridge if I you mean, want to. here's the deal i will i will never turn my nose up to one Mm. Um, if there's ever one on the menu and I haven't had it, I get it in my flight, especially for tasters. So I love tasters. I know some people don't like it. I love tasters and that, that I'll let them argue with me later. Um, I will always order one to at least try because it is such a unique style, the Gouda flavor. And if, if for anybody that doesn't know, Roush beer is, is a smoked beer. It uses mm-hmm. smoked malts. Yep. And so you can get a barbecue flavor. You can get a smoked Gouda flavor. Um, they're generally not the highest ABV, uh, not the lowest either run five, five to, I think I've seen some at like six, five, seven, uh, seven would be really high for Raspia. Um, but, um, I can't stand them. I've never liked one. I've tried, I don't know how many different, very German styles. I've tried American makers. Um, I've never liked them, but I can always appreciate how a good Raspia tastes. Because I know, like, oh, that's the flavor that they really were able to pick out and really, um, uh, however they, they did, did their malt magic, uh, really can make stuff shine. Even though I don't like the flavor that's shining out, I will still appreciate the beer and how it is made. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I always have one in the fridge, at least one in the fridge. And I hear people talk and about them are great for barbecue, and I could totally see why. No. But I, I don't, I do not care for them. It's like menudo. I don't know if you know what menudo is. Oh yes, I can't oh, stand yes. menudo. I've had it so many times. I can appreciate it, but it's just not my, not my spiel. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm not a big Rauch beer. Um, 
I, I think if I walk up to my fridge right now, I'm, I'm sure there's a Schlenkerlei in there, but mm-hmm. I just, it's not my kind of thing. It's not my beer. However, again, I can appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know, the, the newfangled, quote-unquote. And, and I think they're here to stay. Um, I do, too. I think, you know, a year ago I was kind of like, well, they're going to go the, wor- the, the way of the, you know, the black IPAs and the Cascadian <laughs> dark ales. I was just waiting for you to we, say black yeah, IPA. Yeah, black IPA, Cascadian dark mm-hmm. ale, you know, the way we were talking about them and people were, were loving them and mm. yeah, nobody's making them anymore. But um, initially there was kind of the same reservation of, okay, is it really going to stay? And I, and I think it's here to stay now. Mm. Um, but again, some of them are really well made, mm-hmm. and some of them feel cobbled together. Um, and they have they have a milk they have a milk powder almost flavor to it on the back end. And you go, was that really necessary? So again, it's not a matter of do I like the style or not? And I, and that's the big difference, right? It's mm-hmm. not, do I like the style or not? It's, is the beer well made or not? Yeah. And too often, unfortunately, in the, in the world of social media that we live in today, I see people say, well, that's a, that's, that's a bad beer. Mm-hmm. No, it's a beer you don't like. It's a well-made beer. And then on the other hand, I see people say, oh, this is an awesome beer. And I go, Okay, last four times I had it, I had you know X Y Z defect mm-hmm. in it. I, I, why is this a good beer? And so again, that that's what I try to do for mm-hmm. as much as I can. Um, I I far from have all the wisdom and all the knowledge in the world. There's tons of people in the North Texas beer scene who who know a lot more than I do. But if I can help a little bit by saying, hold on, here's really what this tastes like, and when you taste this in mm-hmm. this kind of beer that's really not supposed to be there hmm. hopefully that that will just help people make more judicious decisions give better feedback to the breweries mm-hmm. and it can only help get our north texas beer scene be better yeah right if a brewery constantly turns out beers with defects and nobody complains then they're not going to change. Well, and that plays into the whole, well, it's local, so it must be good. And yeah. and I love local beer. I think I love supporting local because I know where that money, you can see where that money's going to. Uh, mm-hmm. When I go to right. a local brewery XYZ and I look at so-and-so brewer that I can see back there, and I'm like, oh, I read the bio on him. They are a firefighter. I mm-hmm. know that that beer is going to him. That that money from that beer is going to him, and I really love love that idea. And even if when there may be times where a brewery doesn't hit the mark for me, I when they're local, especially I want to give them a second, third, fourth chance because I know this is supporting a local business that is helping out the community at large. Yeah, but that's the other thing, right? If if you're drinking mm-hmm. a local beer and and you think there's something wrong with it or or there's a flaw with it. Um, Reach out to the brewery. The, hmm. Just don't start posting it on what is it? You know, Dallas Fort Worth, let's start craft beer, and blah blah blah. <laughs> I, I was just talking pe- about people that. can find me. People can <laughs> find me on those forums. But um, I had one the other day. Uh, the can kind of bulged, which it's a barrel aged beer. It can happen. It's hard to control what happens in barrel aged beers. So 
okay, fine. Hmm. Um, but when I poured it, half of the candlelander came out. It, I also, saw. Yeah, I was I, wondering if you could talk about that post. Yeah, I'll, I'll I remember send you, I'll that. Send you the pictures. If no, you no, know. no. I remember. I was watching that, and I was watching the conversation happen. But, but I tried very, very consciously when I posted the picture out there, and and I had never seen it. So I asked. Yeah, I posted it um, mm-hmm. on my personal page. I don't think I put it in DFW, but. I think um, it ended up. Uh, no, no it didn't end up on DFW. It, maybe but it I did, it, but but I put it on my personal page and I pinged a couple of brewers. Like, what the heck? I've I've never seen this. And so the brewery reached out immediately and said, "Okay, it's this beer. We know what it is. The can liner came out. The can liners came loose. Dot 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 dot." And to their credit, I love it when a brewery oh, yeah. is takes goes, "Hey, let me make this right." Well, and and I'm not the kind of guy, frankly. Um, Especially barrel aged beer. I'll, I'll, I will give a brewery a lot, a lot of leeway when it comes to barrel aged beers. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever turned in a barrel aged beer with a brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a debacle with a pretty famous local barrel aged beer, like what was it, twenty fifteen or something? Okay. And I still have them. Mm-hmm. They said, "Oh, bring it back to the tap room. Got to store them cold." No, I got, I think, a case of it in my cellar, mm-hmm. and and it's. It's different. It, it is different than any other beer they've ever done. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. But it's for me, it's 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 a barrel aged beer. You you kind of you got to take that in swing if you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, if you want, and even you know they had problems with it. But if you want a machine produced, consistent, all the same, buy Goose Island AB InBev, and even they had problems with it, right? So. When you buy barrel-aged beers, you kind of got to take that and say, okay, mm-hmm. this may be great. This may not be great. Hmm. But yeah. I think part of the challenge is because they're so hyped, people expect them to be phenomenal. Yeah. And I think you got to you gotta give the brewery a little bit of, hey, I get it. And And if the brewery wants to make it right, Awesome, great for that. And if and if people want to take the breweries up on that and say, "Hey, I didn't like it. Can you exchange it?" Even even better. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just not something I tend to do. I mean, mm. this Brett saison, right? It's yeah. a Brett beer. You really don't know what's, what the Brett is going to do after five years, <laughs> right? You, you, I mean, you don't. That's it, true. You you really don't. And okay, we opened it up, and it's awesome. Yeah, but for the same amount of money, a five-year-old bread beer—I mean, it could have been—it could have been horrible. Yeah. So, it's just for me the fun and the adventure of beer. You know? Yeah. It's like, so it is uh, what it is. So, what do you think? And this is a, again a larger question: What do you think makes beer good? <laughs> what makes what makes the uh, the beverage beer? Good. For me, it's <clears throat> for me. It's all the, about the community and the fellowship and the fun. I mean, heck, we knew each other kind of sorta. Yeah, you were at one class collective, and you know, we did some Facebook and blah blah. And then hey, you said, hey, I want to do the podcast, and it's hey, you're sitting at my kitchen table and we're talking about beer. Yeah. yeah. So for me, that's that is what makes beer mm-hmm. good is just the fellowship, the community around beer and i'll tell you two incidents and yes i've gotten enough flack for those two on on some of the dallas social media uh first one was we were in uh, wimberley texas which just happens
tends to be a place my wife likes to go to. And my wife's out there antique shopping and all the other good stuff. And I'm just walking around and there's a barbecue competition going on. Hmm. And so there's literally the six foot, 300 pound, bald headed linebacker with kind of this um, do rag on his head that's like the American flag. And he's got this, you know, double barrel pit wheelie smoker behind his, you know, double axle Dodge truck. And and I'm wearing some kind of, I can't remember, some kind of craft beer t shirt, like all of my t shirts. And I'm walking by, and the guy looks at me and goes, Like beer? I'm like, sure and he's like want some i'm like sure and he gives me a uh, lone star light not a lone star lone, lone star, star light light the blue man can. i i and i i, I walk over i walk over and i grab the can i open the can i take a swig because it's hot outside and yeah, you know, these yeah. pits are going and i go hey man what, what you know what you got on the pit and he's like oh well at least you're not one of those beer snobs I'm like, dude, I'll drink beer with anybody at any time. I, I don't really care. I, I have told people, I, I have people, just to, just to pause, yeah. I've had people ask me, what is my favorite beer? And my my answer always is the free one. There you go. If, exactly. if someone hands me a beer and they're excited about it, I'm excited about it and I can't wait to drink it with Maybe them. If it would have been a Bud Light, I might have reacted a little differently or a Curve but Light. I, but, and I understand that, but to me, if, if someone is excited to share something with me, I'm excited with them and can't wait to try. And so long story short, we, I ended up talking to, to the guy for like an hour and he was like, my, my grandpa served the war in Germany mm. and brought me back beer from Germany. And then, of course, me talking about Belgium. And he's like, oh, wow, you, you, know, you were there and saw those things at the war and blah, 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 and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. But, um, and I went back to our car and opened the cooler and I got a locally – uh, North Texas Pilsner mm-hmm. that, that I happened to have in the cooler and grabbed one and took that to him and he went, oh, that's not all that bad. And, and, so, <laughs> and, 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 and so it's all about, you know, for me, it's all about community and, yeah. and all that. Um, the second example was the same thing. We were, I can't even remember the town, like hole in the wall, barbecue, whatever, somewhere in the hill country. Yep. Not even not even indoor seating. Literally, it was like this little shack with some outdoor tables, and we pull over, and I got some kind of a barbecue plate, and I asked, "Did you got any beer?" And it's the, it's the typical, you know, Bud Bud Light, Coors mm-hmm. Coors Light, da da da. Oh, Lone Star. I'm like, All right, I'll oh, have Lone Star. Lone Star. I remember putting this picture of my barbecue plate, and that Lone Star is in the picture, but I'm putting a picture of the barbecue plate out there, mm-hmm. with this Lone Star in the background, and people are like. How dare you drink Lone Star? You've fallen so low. I always thought better of you. And I'm like, what Man. the heck are you thinking? I'm in the middle of BFE having barbecue from a shack. Yep. What do you think they're going to serve me? Right. Yep. So, again, what makes beer good for me is just just atmosphere. Sure, there's a few... There's a few limits. There's a few beers that I probably go, yeah, maybe not. Do you have something else? But nowadays, there is not one establishment where at least they would have something like a Sierra Nevada or a Sam Adams yep. or even a Lone Star or something like that mm-hmm. without having to resort to you know the, the Bud Coors Miller kind of kind of world. It is exceptional when I see that that. That's your only choice. Most of the time, they'll at least have something else. Yeah, and, I, and I've I'm perfectly fine with that. 
I've definitely noticed that even in the, the four years that I've been here, mm -hmm. there is a creeping of something local on tap. Yeah. Almost yeah. anywhere you go, you will find mm -hmm. something local, if not local, a something that you could deem craft on tap. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, yeah, revolver beers are are obviously. Oh. And I know they're owned by Coors and all the other good jazz, but mm -hmm. that's that doesn't detract from the fact that they still have a phenomenally good head brewer over there. Um, but you can start to see low, you know, them on on tap, mm -hmm. you know, more often than not, and. Again, that's me. I would rather have a beer than a glass of water. Mm -hmm. But that's me. I, I just I like beer. I, 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 I like totally the flavor of beer. That. I would rather I would rather have a beer than a soda. Mm -hmm. And there's people that don't that say, well, if I can't have a hardcore craft beer, I'd rather have water or whatever. And that's fine. But that's just not me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, what makes a beer good is the environment, the people, the company. It doesn't have to be exceptionally rare. It doesn't have to be the biggest mm -hmm. whale in the world. Um, which, by the way, you know, I've had my fair share of those. Um, and some of them, frankly, you kind of go, yeah, you know what? That wasn't quite worth the money. But mm -hmm. it's hit and misses with everything. So. Gotcha. Um, and now here's a question I've been waiting to ask you mm -hmm. um, since since that little craft first craft beer chat. So I lived in Germany for a little while. My wife mm -hmm. and I went back. Um, uh, we I, I I don't mean to put it this way, but we 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 were in. We had the opportunity to go to Europe because her company gave her two free tickets. Sweet. And we are not the family that goes. Oh, when we you know, when we summer in. Germany next year. That is not our family. Um, so we got two free tickets. We're like, we get to go to Europe. Let's go to Europe. Yeah. And I was, uh, it was the first time I've been back since college. And I loved, especially in the going to the, um, the restaurants with breweries and just pretty much any restaurant. I noticed how little, uh, maybe little is the wrong word, but how, Drinking establishments, places that are mainly focused mm -hmm. on beer, mm -hmm. it was not a big deal. It's that not. it was a, a, a big a big deal that there was a, a establishment focused on beer. So uh, there was a, a brewery called Vetters, uh, Vetters in uh, in Heidelberg where I was at. Mm -hmm. Yep, loved it. Um, I think one of the better uh, wheat ales, wheat hefeweizens that you can. Great you can college try. town too. Oh yeah, um, and. The more I sat there, the more I was like, man, I can't wait till we're at a place like this where there are grandmas, grandpas, you know, generations sitting at a table, everybody having a beer. And it's not that they went there because, oh, we're going to can't wait to drink. But it's, oh, this is a place that we've been going to for, for since forever. And it's good food, good beer. And it's a good place to sit and enjoy. So for me, I was wondering, what are some of the things maybe of the um, Belgian beer culture or maybe even just a European beer culture that you wish uh, the American beer culture and American beer drinkers could, could learn from? Yeah, and, and that's a great question. Um, in some respects, it's very, I mean, the Belgian beer culture is very similar to German. Mm -hmm. Except, of course, we you know, we don't have that pesky... You know, the Reinheitsgebot. Reinheitsgebot. <laughs> 
Um, you you Belgians were just like what rules? Yeah, but it's a great and again I'm I'm going to anecdotal right. So please in in high school and in college, um, one night a week and and it it was an old establishment. Unfortunately, it doesn't exist anymore. I just found out, but um, there was an old establishment and once a week. We were 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was four of us. And, yes, you know, for those that, you know, Sam Wynn and all that, Dungeons & Dragons, so that's what we would do. One night a week, we'd play Dungeons <laughs> & Dragons or Middle-Earth role-playing or Warhammer <laughs> or we played, you know, role-playing games, uh-huh. Call of Cthulhu, you know, you name it. And then after, we went to the reading and... Um, we would sit down and we worked our way down the beer list and they had mm. hundreds of beers. Mm. And so, yeah, we would buy a 750 of something and and we'd share and then we'd buy another one and we literally worked our way down the beer list. Let, let me pause you in case anybody doesn't, knows, uh, doesn't know. A 750 is a standard size, quote, wine bottle size of beer. Correct. It's a wine bottle size of beer, the yes. equivalent of three beers roughly. Uh, two and a half, really, in American standards, but yeah. it, it's a, it's about two and a half beers, and and we would work our way through that with four guys, and mm-hmm. we'd get two or three of those a night because again, we're riding our bicycles, not a car, mm-hmm. and the worst that could happen is you'd end up with your bike in a ditch somewhere, which happened. But uh, and so once a week we would do that. Now, now, granted, don't do not get me wrong. There is binge drinking, right? Ninety percent, percent of the time, being from Leuven, growing up in the shadows of the Stella Artois brewery. I mean, ninety percent of the time, I was I was guzzling Stella by the gallon, right? I mean, don't <laughs> get me wrong, but we made a conscious effort to just sit down and appreciate beer, and mm-hmm. and and you see that happen in small villages like you were mentioning, you mm-hmm. know, Heidelberg in Germany, where the pub is a a social meeting center. Mm. But that doesn't happen in the United States as it is because what restaurants want is turnover on tables. Yeah. Right? Most restaurants, they, they just want you to come in, eat, and leave so they can seat the next person. They're looking for the, the fastest, quickest. Exactly. How can we get the food out the quickest? How can we get it served the quickest? Exactly. How do we make the music even to a pace that people want to eat a little quicker? And then get out and go. So I think it's a it's a cultural thing. Hmm. I I do think certain places around town are really getting into that mode, right? And, of, and hey, I would you agree. Can come in, yeah, and, and 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 I think it's changing a little bit. Um, I'm I I don't want to necessarily advertise but but there's there's quite a few places and there's a few places that are planned to open in 2019 that i'm personally pretty excited about Mm. where you walk in you order some food you order a beer you know it's pretty relaxed hey you want some more food and they don't bring you the check as soon as they drop off your plate Mm -hmm. and 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 that's just the difference in between europe and and here and I don't think it's something you can blame on the beer world. It's just an overall pace of living. And, and, and that's something I, I definitely noticed when I was over there. And it's not that um, 
and when I've I've brought this up before with other people, I, I get mm -hmm. the, uh, well, you know, let, let me first say it soft. I love America, and I can say <laughs> okay. America, but I also yeah. love America. Yep. And I I I living in China, living in Germany, mm -hmm. having gone mm -hmm. to I think I'm at 27, 28 countries now. Um, I I'm a huge fan of America. Um, I also think there's things we can learn about uh, enjoying the moment um, and being present um, around food and drink that I think other parts of the world may have down a little better than what we do. Oh, and yeah. I'm not saying like you'll, yeah. you'll I'm not saying that 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 Denny's needs to like change how they do things. Um, don't get me wrong. Grand Slam breakfast. I, I'm not going to turn my nose up to that. But what I'm saying is. Um, I think and I think it's starting to happen where the emphasis is come enjoy instead of come buy go. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the thing. Come enjoy. Um, but but again, th th that's not just beer. That's food as well. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know, f food. In a, food and beer, wine especially as well as yeah. a whole, were just a big deal of, of my my growing up. Um, it, it's it's a different, again, it's a different culture. I think, and, and of course, being in my mid fifties, I'm, I'm I'm getting to you know kind of the older guy here. But I think the next generation of what I'm seeing, you know, with my kids who are in their mid twenties to early thirties. And, and some of the other generation that I talk to now in the beer world, I, I think it's you see it more and more mm. of let's enjoy life. Let's just meet with good friends, meet with good people over some good food, some good beer, some mm -hmm. good wine, some good whatever. Um, heck, good kombucha, good good ciders. Um, yep. And and I think that's slowly changing. Mm. Um I think it's very, very difficult for establishment owners um, to keep the pace because if they only have X number of tables and X number of turnover on a given night, in order for them to be able to make a profit, they're going to have to charge some higher prices, yeah. which I'm perfectly fine with. Yeah. But then other people go, have you seen the prices? That's really expensive. <laughs> and I go, yeah, I but, totally but, get that. But yeah. the quality is there. You don't feel rushed. I'd rather pay that extra fee to be able to sit down and enjoy it mm -hmm. than to just go to another Applebee's, Chili's, whatever, 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 yeah. where I know I'm going to pay X yeah. for the same old staple machine-produced you know, grilled chicken. And uh, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I have not visited Applebee's more than once, oh, yeah. but it's not we the place do. where I'm like, I can't wait to get to there. Exactly. General. Okay. Um, so to wrap up this, this little episode here, um, I'm going to do a, uh, a very quick little rapid fire. So what it's going to sure. be is I'm going to start uh, the sentence. I'm going to end it with a different word at the end. And then you just respond to that. So it'll be the same sentence, different word at the end, and then you respond to that. To that word? Right. To that word. All right, All right, here we go. Here we go. Okay, it seems like everyone is drinking. Hazy IPAs. Seems like everyone is making. IPAs. Seems like everybody is wanting. 
IPA. Seems like everybody's hating barley wines. Seems like everybody's loving IPAs. Uh, seems like everybody is missing out on saisons. Oh, I like that message. <laughs> Mick. People, people that know me know that I, that that is the beer style I grab. That 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 I is literally my towards. favorite style as well. So no, I could totally couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Mick, thank you very much. You're quite welcome. I hope this was helpful for some people. Um, hit me up. You know where to find me on Facebook, social media, Twitter, whatever. What, what is your your? So it's just craft beer chats on Facebook. That's usually the easiest because. People don't remember my last name anyway. So craft beer chats, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Facebook, um, web page, uh, Twitter, whatever it is. So okay. That's usually the easiest. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Al. Yeah.